Hello. Hola. Slinging Stones podcast. We're back. Episode Cinco Cinco. Yes. <laughs> Episode 44. Yes. Brought to you by The Thrive Ministry. I'm Andy. And I'm still Luke. That's still Luke. Be still and know that I am Luke. I'm not really sure that's how it goes, but I <laughs> yeah. like it. It's got a nice ring to it. Um, well, welcome back. We are, um, we're back at it. Uh, got a um, few fun things to talk about tonight. Um, this so, has been the Mondayest week ever. It's been a Monday all day. I mean, all, all week. week. Yeah. So, um, so let's kind of. So it's been. It's been two weeks since you've heard from us. That was my fault. That's on Luke. I wasn't going to go there, but you took Hey, look, it's my fault. You I'll took it. it. You took look, the brunt end of it. Look, when you get offered to ride a tractor in Bush Hog, you take that opportunity because, man, that's peace, man. Oh, man. I got to put on some worship music and mow my, till my little heart was content. Ah, oh, well, you missed and out. And I still on, ain't heard the end of it. You missed out on good podcasting. I mean, yeah. Okay, everybody email Luke at Luke at the Thrive Ministry dot com and sure. tell them how much y'all missed them last week. Like a toothache. So uh two weeks ago we um got the opportunity to go and hang out with First Baptist Church in Alabaster for a crawfish bowl. And I'm gonna tell you what, if if I were to tell you that I got a friend that likes crawfish without telling you that I got a friend that likes crawfish, I could have pointed at the table that Luke was at. All you saw was a little bald head in the crowd just hammering down. Hey, look, I put on a clinic. And you took home a clinic. And they got eight. <laughs> Not a single mud bug went in the trash. I mean, it was uh, it was impressive. You know, I eat. I really do eat. Um, but that was that was a crawfish extravaganza. I kid you not. I bet I put down 10 pounds by myself. And then we turned around and went and got ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and then some of us, some of us went to our moss meeting and ate pizza. Who did that? Oh, Gee, wow. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you and a, and a certain car fellow that we know. Oh, my goodness gracious. Well, Evan's just, his metabolism's so high. In the air, I mean, not. <laughs> so. What's your excuse? Oh, well, you know, I'm just hyper. I was astonished. I mean, you know, <clears throat> I was given, I was, I gave crawfish away. Okay. You did. I, I brought them in and I gave them away. I was going to hoard all three bags, but I didn't. You did a good job. I only hoarded that's a called, bag and That's half. called not being selfish. Um, so that was fun. Um, it was, um, Really, really cool to uh, meet some new guys, kind of see what they had going on. So First Baptist Church in Alabaster, if anybody listens. Hey, I found out something interesting about that. I didn't. I forgot to tell you to just now. Uh, the football, it, football coach at Cornerstone, Coach James Lee, also the athletic director, that's their home church. Oh, They cool. weren't able to be there because he was uh, helping his mom, I think he said. Well, we definitely were super impressed. We were super uh, welcomed. Uh, we had great conversations with the guy who uh, – Runs it, um, David Anchors, uh, just unbelievable guy starting this thing back up. So if you're listening and you're from there, kudos, great job. You got a great um, opportunity to uh, encourage and prepare men and equip men. 
uh, biblically. But you, uh, if you're listening and you are in the Alabaster area and you don't have a men's ministry or a church, man, I don't see nothing wrong with First Baptist Alabaster. They Not the way they doing. cook crawfish. So um, give them a try, man. They're doing a great job, and we were just um, extremely, extremely happy for uh, them to and the turnout they had. Uh, but also, so another thing that we did um, this past Sunday night, uh, it was Luke and I and our sons, Luke's sons, Jadon and Jediah, and then my son, Easton. We got to go and be a part of the first um, man church, or no, what am I doing? Dad, dad, church. dad church event. Um, their first ever event, uh, they did it at uh, Redemption Church. Um and this was uh, Rick Dykes. He is uh, putting this on, but it was a great time. Had a great message. I thought he hit some great points. Mm-hmm. Um, prayed over, you know, got to see, you know, we got prayed over and, you know, with us and our sons and then got to take communion. And it was a it was a good time. And then, you know, what we what we did immediately after, we went and ate. Ice cream. Had a, no, we didn't. No, what did we We went do? to Buffalo Wild Wings. That's right. We went to B-Dubs. Yeah, yeah, see. Forgot about that. And, uh, you know, had some good yeah. conversation. Because my boys made me spend 100 bucks. That's probably so. <laughs> so. That's why Easton, I love him being under 12. That under 12 menu's cheap. You know, it just, I mean, the boys, even before they were over 12, they would eat everything in sight that was brought to them and then give us the look. You're like, still hungry. Are, are you, are you going to eat that? So it's just whatever. Yeah, I'm not kidding, man. We had a Tuesday. We had... Carabas brought into my office, yeah, and their cannolis are fantastic. I ate like fifteen of them, like fifteen or twenty. What am I hearing? You're hearing my son who needs to be quiet. Time out. No, never mind. We're not. I'm not going to do that. Oh, come on. Uh, no, no, no. Um. You're not, so, not going to hit your fancy pause recording button? No. You, I mean, we haven't even got a chance to use that yet. No, I don't, I don't want to do that because I don't want to have to split it and have to call, do all that. I just threw my phone on the I was supposed to say, too. you're going to have to edit that sound so, 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 shut up. we got to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> so, but uh, Dad Church was just extremely fun uh, blessing to go to that. Uh, so, next event coming up is... June 11th? Man, don't give me the line. I think it's June 11th. Cultivate Men. I depend on you for that. Is back in session. Really excited about seeing those guys again. Absolutely, because they know how to eat, too. They do, too. They do, too. Um, I think it's a competition in Alabaster with the men's groups on who can throw down in the kitchen the best. Yeah, uh, that's a guarantee. Uh, But got a you know and we'll we'll put a link on this whenever they get started but got a podcast coming down the line that I'm more than happy to promote um so um our boy our boys Caleb Crow and Caleb Alexander they'll be starting a podcast I didn't know that. I gave them old podcast board yesterday. I know you. Man. I knew you gave them the stuff, but what are they going to call them? Oh, the no, Caleb's is. No, I think it's the Caleb's podcast. But me, Jennifer had a great name. Uh-oh. Caleb and Caleb, kind of like Shane and Shane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but no, it's going to be a lot of fun. They'll 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 do a good job. The CCCA 
podcast. Caleb Crow, Caleb Alexander. Well, they're competition now. Are they? Yeah, we're gonna have to snuff them out. Just flatten the tires. I mean, what sugar in the tank? I mean, that or we could like sit outside the room where they're podcasting and throw some like radio frequencies in there or something like All that. All tough cocktails. No, I could bring Gibson over there to bark relentlessly, endlessly, effortlessly outside. You know, just that. Yeah, he would do that. Absolutely. <laughs> That's so mean. Yeah, give him that and two squeak No, toys. no, we can't do that. Crow has been an absolute like number one fan. Like Absolutely. he's like he's like our main number one listener. He is, you know, if if I could, I, we need to get like a bird calling, and that would be Caleb Crow when we talk about him, like ah ah, <laughs> like a, like a crow. I mean, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's gone. When they, when they have a family reunion, do you reckon anybody says, "Look, there's a murder." Yeah, murder of crows. Murder of crows. So that's like if your last name's Goose, you're Gander or something or whatever. So we're getting off, we're getting yeah. way off topic. Sure, you don't want to start this over. Just scrap no, this. No, no, we're ten minutes in. I'm just, we're we're into it now. We're devoted. I mean, it's like when you get in the quicksand pit, you just devote to trying to wiggle your way out. You just, right, you just <laughs> go keep down. going deeper. Go down. But, so we um, do it. I'll eventually find bottom. Absolutely. Um, no, so. Uh, a lot of exciting things. The summer is kind of a downtime a little bit, but downtime for who? Some men's ministries. It's but, wide open for me. But it's going to be wide open. It's going to be a good time. Um, we are continuing into Romans. We are at the backside of chapter five, uh, hoping to get through it. But there is a lot to take in when it comes to verses twelve through twenty-one, which we're going to hit, um, and we'll just see where we get. But uh, just be, if we if we go twelve through twenty one, we're not going to hit. We're going to skim. Yeah, but I mean, you know, just be ready because I mean, once we even fire off into chapter six, chapter six is going to take a minute too because just everything. Apparently, there's a lot to be in a bond servant. A lot, lot, lot. All right. Um. So, what else? Anything else? Anything else? So, once again, I have failed, y'all. I have not updated the website. I'm just lacking wholeheartedly i know luke's holding up the loser symbol or he's giving me the first letter of us in that first name <laughs> your choice <laughs> so um is what it is uh but there's a possibility that sometime in july luke and i will be speaking on a wednesday night service at south shelby but i don't so know you when. know the last time that we gave somebody a spoiler like that half the congregation didn't come oh man i forgot about that and the other half that showed up said, oh, I didn't know nothing about it. So, oh, I joked on you. <laughs> here y'all were thinking you're going to hear something good. Oh, bad. All right, so here we go. So let's uh, let's get started. So so let's preface with this right here. So let me keep my spot here. So um, I've got several commentaries. Uh, Luke can attest to that. If we ever go to video on our podcast you'll see the the amount of books that are sitting on bookshelves and all that sort of stuff yeah you'll also see why we podcast and don't video cast is that because of the mess or no, because of me. you oh 100 <laughs> percent um so one of the um commentaries that i go to and use is um it's in my book bag in the truck. But um, the guy who wrote this, the Romans commentary for this set is uh, it was Kent Hughes. And Kent Hughes is, I've got, oh, man, I've got like 
two or three books by him. Uh, one of them is Disciplines of a Godly Man, and I, that's a unbelievable book. But he wrote it this way. So he wrote for, you know, in reference to verses 12 through 21 in chapter 5, he said it is... Hey, wait, 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 wait. Are you going to read them? Well, no, we're going to do that. this right here, then we'll go oh. into it. Yeah, I mean, I had a plan in mind, and you're just... I was just making sure you wasn't skipping over A to get to B and C. No, I'm not. I, I, I'm it's sorry. A, I'm sorry we long, don't... It's been a lot. I'm sorry we don't do day. a prep going to this, but good gracious alive... Oh, accountability. This right here should have been a dump button for you. I should have heard you speaking and dumped it. Wow. I don't know how I can do that, but well, I'm going to watch for the rabbit. All right. So Kent Hughes, I might remind me, I'll put shades over that before we know it. So Kent Hughes says that it is universally agreed that the passage before us coming up is one of the greatest theological sections in the entire Bible. In its 10 verses, Paul summarizes summarized the theology of the preceding chapters about the lostness of man and his rescue through God's provision. It is also commonly agreed that Romans 5, 12-21 is among the most difficult passages in Romans, if not the entire New Testament. In this respect, Anders, Anders Nigerin says, Paul's thoughts leap forth here like a torrential mountain stream. They rush on with such force that they do not always come to carefully formed expression. The flow that this passage is going to go through, and, 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 and it's a good flow, every commentary is going to go with this flow, is number one is the reign of mankind, or the, I'm sorry, the ruin of mankind, which is 12, and 12 through 14, verses 12 through 14. Number two is the rescue of mankind, verses 15 through 17, or 15 through 19. And then the reign of mankind, number three, verses 20 20 and 21. This passage begins in the abyss with man's ruin and ascends through his rescue to the pinnacle of his reign. So we're like the Philistine king described in Judges 1, 4 through 7, whom the Israelites captured and cut off his thumb and big toes, and who afterward remarked with amazing philosophical detachment, saying, 70 kings with their thumb and their big toes cut off used to pick up scraps under my table. As I have done, so God has repaid me. Verse 7 of that of, of Judges 1. The Philistine was a king, but could no longer function as such. His hands could no longer hold scepter or sword. He no longer could stride across his realm. He was reduced to awkwardly picking up scraps from under the table and tottering about. Some of us too are no longer some of us too no longer live like kings and queens we are. Instead, we dine underneath the table hoping for scraps. I couldn't, I mean, when I read that, I was like, oh, I got we we gotta talk. Yeah. <laughs> so so really wanted to give kind of a front end before we dive off the because Luke's right. We probably won't. This will probably be just this section, maybe a three-week section. I don't know how far we're going to get, but we're going to read the section, and we're going to go through it as much as we can, and then we're going to go, you know, we'll just read it again and do it next week. So with that being said, let's go. Let's read our scripture. You going to continue to yawn over there? Yep. Oh, I'm boring them to death, guys. No, nope, it's not that at all. Um, just hit that wall. So verse 12 in chapter five, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. 
For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where the where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those sinning, even over who even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who has who was to come. Verse fifteen. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have have the grace of God and have the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one by the one man's disobedience there were many made sinners, so by one man's obedience that many will be made righteous. Now the law came into came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Verse twenty one. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a lot to take in. It's a bunch. That's a bunch. So let's go with our flow of the passage for what Kent Hughes kind of laid out for us with his commentary. So let's start. Let's do verses 12 through 14. So when it says, Therefore sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. So we all know, if, we, if, you, if you've been to Sunday school and everything, you all know the sin of Adam, right? Yep. The disobedience put back in Genesis. Yep. Um, so if flip to Genesis. Genesis 2. It's in the front. It's, it's in too the, far. It's in the front of my Bible. You went too far. It's right after Genesis one. Genesis two, the fall, or Genesis three. You're cutting me in my eyes, like, like <laughs> I, I was just trying to be helpful. So, you know, so when we go to when we go to Genesis, I'm sorry, guys, I'm beating around, but um, so as we go to Genesis, we look and we see. Where in Genesis 2, verse 17, But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat it you surely shall die. It's when death gets entered right there. Yep. Because God laid the stipulation there. God said, don't do that. Two, t- two things. What? Knowledge of good and evil and what? Life. Are you tree, a, of, yeah. tree of life. Yeah, tree of life. Thought you were at, I didn't know whether you were asking me or. No, no, no. Nothing's rhetorical with you, Luke. Oh. <laughs> so, and then long came the serpent, convinced Eve to 
eat of the fruit. Eve gave it to Adam. Adam ate. And then we find the punishment laid down for the disobedience of one man. Yep. Wasn't a disobedience of one woman. Right. It was a disobedience of one man. Right. She has, I mean, well, while she could take blame, but the leadership that she was underneath faltered. It's It, it backs up what I've said all along, that um, had Adam been leading Eve in the manner in which God instructed him to, it would have never happened. And, you know, when God came out looking for Adam and Eve, he said, Adam, where are you? He didn't say, Eve, where are you? He, he didn't ask for both of them. He asked where Adam was. And then, uh, you know, he looks at him and says, what is this thing you have done? You know, what have you done? Yep. Um, he, he never put blame on Eve. The blame squarely laid on Adam. Well, I mean, you look at, you know, you look at just seeing this, the, the, you talk about repercussions, ramifications for actions. You know, that, that cursed and put something into the world that was just. You talk about generational curse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there it is. You know, and the thing is, what became, what the reason for that being sin and created sin is because from that day forward, the knowledge of good and evil. Before that, they knew nothing. They knew nothing but good. They knew That's what right. the the garden had, which was perfection. That's right. There was nothing, there was no other standard to be hit. It was, we have this and this alone. But when the when the fruit was partaken upon, that's when that's when it separated. You knew both sides. You knew good or evil. And unfortunately, the way the world is, we most of the time, we know that evil most of the time feels good to our flesh. Oh, man, yeah, it's great. It's tasty. It feels good. Absolutely. Um, and, and you know, it also, this shows that it also points to the virgin birth in a manner of the only way that Jesus could have been born sinless is through the conception of the Holy Spirit. Because this points that, you know, Paul points out very clearly that the sin is passed from man to child, not from woman to not child. Not from woman, right. The sin is passed from man to child. Right. So when you remove, Joseph was removed from the equation of Jesus' birth, there you have your sinless perfect birth. And, you know, that's also why you hear people say, well, you know, everyone is born into sin. If you have a father, an earthly father, whether you were created in a lab under a microscope and implanted or the old-fashioned way, you have sin in you. If you have two sets of DNA, you have that sin. Well, I think I think what's interesting is you see when you see from look at the from the generations from Adam to Moses. We do realize, and we may not put too much thought into this, but you do realize what all happened between between Adam and Moses. Who, oh. what, what characters in the Bible happened? Noah, oh, Abraham, a whole lot, Cain and Abel. All these people lived without written law from God. Moses got the law. That's where Leviticus came involved, yeah. and Leviticus and a little bit of Deuteronomy and all that, but and Numbers a little bit, but there was nothing else. You know, Abraham kind of got a feel for it with the sacrificing of Isaac. He kind of we kind of see 
what's coming down the line. But, you know, that's where it's talking about there's no law. Nothing was in place. They were just freely sinning, and they didn't. They probably didn't know no better. Can you imagine? It was just life. No, but can you imagine that? I mean, they're doing this, and, you know, they don't know. I don't know if this is fair to say. I haven't dove this deep into thought on it, but is it fair to say they didn't know no better? That they were disappointing God and didn't know it? I would say so. Noah would know it when he was presented with, you got to build an ark. Exactly. There were there were just a very select few that God spoke to. Abraham, but, yeah. talking about Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah, and Lot would have known. But he didn't, give them, he didn't give them specifics. He didn't give them laws. So, you know, it was just life. It was just life to them. No, but Lot knew it because when the, when they, the angel came to Lot's house in Sodom. Well, some things you have to go with human nature. Yeah. You know, human nature... And and this is going to be a little bit off topic, but I'll bring it back in. Human nature tells one man not to try to be sexually active with another man. Mm. Human nature tells you that. Yep. Same thing with women. And if your nature doesn't tell you that, you look at it from an aspect of, okay, well, if, the, if God's design wasn't for man to be with woman and woman to be with man, then why does it take a man and a woman to procreate? Yeah. A man and a man can't do it. A woman and a woman can't do it. So, you know, God cleared all that up at creation in the Garden of Eden. So all the rest of this madness was introduced through that initial sin, Mm. through that initial choice to take a bite of a forbidden fruit. Just like when you engage in something like that in, in, in homosexuality, you are ingesting specific forbidden fruit so it's it's it you you can't you even look at 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 animals animals don't engage like that Mm. do they have knowledge of good and evil like like cooper your dog um cooper knows when he's been a bad boy but that's not good and evil that's training yeah yeah so if you were to turn and you got little rocky in here you know Cooper and Rocky don't do that stuff because they're two males. Yeah. But if you had a male and a female, God's nature takes over. And, you know, it's just like Jeremiah Castile said that it's creation. And if you don't believe in creation, just look around. It's happening all around us. And every bit of it takes male and female. Yeah. So, So it talks, we, we talk about, you know, you know, it says in verse 13, for sin was in the world before the law was given. But then it says, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yeah, they didn't know. So, and then it goes, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses. So we saw that, hey, yet sin may not be counted. Excuse death me. is there as it was stated in Genesis 2.17. But now are we talking spiritual death or are we talking physical death? That's 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 tough. That's when you got to dive deep into that one right there. Well, I mean, I think it's a you little bit pull both. Out, you want me to pull out the Strong's Concordance and let's take a look? I think it's a little of both. I think that if you look at the life of Adam and how many years he lived mm-hmm. well, look to at where we're at right now, yeah. it's degenerated. Well, yeah. I mean, you look at all the generations and what they lived, the sham, ham, all you know, 
all the different weird names. Yeah, hundreds and hundreds of years. And then, and I cannot prove this. I will say this flat out. I cannot prove it because I understand that God says, his word says that he's no respecter of men and that no one sin is greater than the other. But if you look through time, man's lawlessness, lust, and want for following the enemy has gotten what over the years? More and more. Yeah. So the deeper we dive into sin, the shorter man's life has become. So if that doesn't show you how how absolutely cancerous that one bite of forbidden fruit is, yeah, and what a disease it is on our society, that should tell you. We go from living, a, you know, people living a thousand years to if you've got somebody that reaches a hundred, it's an it's a phenomenal milestone. Yeah, hey, there's a lot of them reaching a hundred nowadays. But you're still talking a tenth. One tenth. How old was Sarah when she gave birth? Mm. You know, how old was Abraham as a father? Not no more. And it's all because of the introduction of the initial sin. So, so we look at, when we look at the when we look at verse 14, and yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. You know, I see that as, I see that as the statement of they didn't know, right? Right. I see that as, hey, that that's that shows I, them that. I think that, they knew a few things. You think they knew a few things? I think they knew a few things. Trial and error. Yeah. I mean, you know, if if you're on a desert island and you don't know how to make fire and you know that there's a way to make fire, you're going to do it by trial and error. You're going to you're going to figure it out by trial and error. This didn't work, so don't do that anymore. Yeah. So, um So Wearsby places it in this category of a question being answered, how do we know that we are racially united with Adam? And that's answered with verses 12 through 14. And the argument runs like this, as he says, we know that all men die, but death is a result of disobeying the law. There was no law from Adam to Moses, but men still died. A general result result demands a general cause. What is that cause? It can be only one thing, the disobedience of Adam. When Adam sinned, he ultimately died. All of his descendants died, yet the law had not been given. In the conclusion, they died because of Adam's sin. For all have sinned means all have sinned in Adam's sin. Mm -hmm. Men do not die because of their own acts of sin. Otherwise, babies would not die. Romans 9.11 Men die because they are united racially to Adam, and in Adam all die, as it states in 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty two. Having understood these general truths about the passage, we may now examine the contrast Paul gives between Adam and Christ, and between Adam's sin and Christ's acts of acts acts of obedience on the cross. Yeah, 
right? Absolutely. All right. So with that being said, we're gonna take a we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take a pause. Right? No. Are we? How, how no? deep? See, are I'm surprising we? you what, here. What time? I'm surprising you here. How much time? We Hang got? on. We're gonna fill the rest of the time. What are we pausing? So, all right. So we're gonna we're gonna talk just a minute. Ooh, you don't know nothing about this. No. So what I want to do is spend a little time. We've got uh, something around like twenty minutes. So I want to talk about um, where we need as men to step up a little bit different. This weekend's a big weekend. If you're listening to this. On um, Thursday night or Friday, uh, the what's today? Thursday. The what? Eleventh, maybe. Um, so Sunday's Mother's Day. So we're talking about the there's the the only the way you become a mother is through marriage or you know you have a baby right it takes a man it takes a man. So as men, we have an obligation that if we feel the need that we want to make a mother, we better feel the need to step up and lead. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah. So as we go forward and as we see, and we just talked about Adam's leadership to Eve, and the mistake was made because of not having leadership, Eve wasn't even a mother. But you can turn when Adam's leadership was failing Altogether, look what happened with his kids, yep. Cain and Abel. Yep. Look what happened in many, many scenarios of bad leadership in the household. Was Abraham a good leader? At times. At times. But was Abraham a good leader faithfully no. when Sarah said, go take the maid? No. Was Abraham a good, good, was a, was a good leader faithfully when Sarah laughed in God's face. No. You know, and then we get, you know, we get a little bit, you know, you could find it all over the place. Uh, David wasn't a good leader, so that turned into a bad situation, right? Right. So where does that put us? Where does that put in the reflection of you being a leader to the mother of your children? Where does that put you in a leadership to your own mother, right? Absolutely. If your mother's still alive, you know, that's that's a question I had to dive into the other day was the fact, you know, what was it, a month ago? You know, I had I, I, I felt the need. God pulled on my heart to go talk to my mom about her salvation. Right? Yeah. And did I not? I did it. <laughs> yeah. I, I immediately went down there and did it. And thank, thank God, you know, she's saved and there was no buck back or anything like that. It was kind of a relatively easy conversation. But these are the things, as men and as the spiritual leaders of our household, we have to be willing to step up and lead and willing to step up and have these conversations and willing to step up and show that we're not scared of our faith. We're not scared to lead the way Christ needs us to lead, the way God's Word needs us to lead. This weekend is a prime example not only to show the mother of your children, how much you love her and how much you care for her and how much you respect her and, 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 and just admire her 
but also it gives you a chance to show your kids what you are supposed to do as a man, how you're supposed to lead, how you're supposed to direct that path for, you know, your family spiritually and in, and in, and in many other realms. Um, you know, I've had, I've had conversations with old friends and it's amazing that, you know, seeing the change when Christ gets involved in your life or when you get let Christ get involved in your life, it's amazing the change that happens in your household. It's almost like a light clicks on, right? Yes, sir. So, but we're so stubborn, we think we can do stuff on our own. We're so, we're so bullheaded, we think that, you know, God don't need to be a part of that. God don't need to be a part of that uh that bill pay. I don't care if you got the money or not, involve God. God needs to be a part of 110% of your life. If you think you got God 100% in there, add 10%, find it more. And we all fail at this. We all do. We all fail at picking up our Bible, studying it, being willing to step into that role. It's a failure. And, you know, the problem is it's systemic. It's with every man. It it rotates into the sons. Here's the other problem we've got. We are allowing outside forces to shove us away from our Christian faith, from our relationship with Jesus. We are allowing these sports, you know, we're – you. It was funny. I was listening on the radio. We have a big golf tournament in Birmingham right now. And Wednesday, they were talking on the radio this morning. Wednesday, they had the Pro-Am. And it's amazing these people that run after these head coaches for college football teams with such ferocity like they're chasing Britney Spears of the Backstreet Boys. They're fangirling. And that's where our priorities sit. That's where our manhood sits. We need to go to another man to get his autograph to feel fulfilled. Are you kidding me? That's that's disgraceful. That's shameful. You're going, you think that's going to satisfy you in 10 years? You think that's going to satisfy satisfy you for eternity? You are living in what Solomon calls meaningless in the book of Ecclesiastes. That's everything above in the, a, a part of this world that's ruled by the world is meaningless. If it does not have to do with God, it's meaningless. Yeah, it's busy work. And men, we sit up in our households. We're all guilty of it. I'm not blaming anybody. I'm guilty of it. We get home and we're tired. We're worn out, and we refuse to spend time spiritually, intentionally, with those that we should be caring for the most. I don't know if any of that made sense. Well, you've also got another aspect of it to look at. You know, not all men have sons at home to be an example to. Mm -hmm. So they... They, they think that, well, you know, I don't have that much pressure on me. Well, you're wrong. You, I would venture to say you've got even more. You take what you, what you described to me today while we were on the phone 
with seeing the girl taking selfies going down the road. Oh, that was rough. <laughs> Somebody in that girl's life, her daddy, has failed her and made her feel that her her identity laid in vanity. That taking pictures of herself and guaranteed some of them, if they weren't getting them, putting on social media somewhere, I'd be surprised. Mm. Uh, but it, it's it's a heartbreaking thing to see how many young women, young ladies, young girls place so much emphasis on how they look, what they're wearing, um, social media credit, how many likes they get, how many followers they have, how many views their video has. And they think that the only way to do this is to make it a flesh show. Takes more skin to win. That's what they think. It takes more skin to win. And that starts at home. I have a young daughter and I have a grown daughter. And I'm very pleased to say that my grown daughter is very modest in the way she dresses, very modest in the way she acts. When it comes to how men treat her, she, uh, you know, she's a typical girl, but if the man, if, if the guy, if the, if the boy at times doesn't treat her with respect and the dignity that she deserves just because she's female, he's out the door. Now, my younger daughter, Lexi, is very modest. She's, you know, she's loud as all get out. And just about every time you see her, she's wearing a dress. But 100% of the time when she's wearing a dress, she's wearing something underneath it. Yeah. Leggings, shorts, something. And I don't want her in this day and age looking at me, seeing me, viewing women as just sexual objects, Mm. as pieces of meat. I hope that she never sees me in a position that compromises the way she thinks that I feel about her mother. I want her knowing, not just thinking, but knowing that her mother is the most beautiful woman in my life. Inside and out, no matter how bad I want to choke my wife out from time <laughs> to time, she's still the only one for me. She's still it. Yeah. She sees me lead by example. She sees her mother and I disagree about things and me make the tough choice and just say, no, we're not going to do that. I don't, I don't feel right about it. I don't feel good about it. We're not going to do that. And then she sees me bear the, 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 the brunt of the blowback of that. Now, if my decision is a good decision, whether it were yes or no, my family and I share the glory. We give the honor to God. But if the, if the decision that I've made is bad, mm. it is 100% on me. Yep. Because that's what a leader does. And guys, our daughters need to see this. They need to see it with their own eyes because they're going to go out and be looking for men one day. And you don't want them to be out fishing for men and catching boys. 
Yeah. I, you're exactly right. Um, you know, in Stuart Scott's Biblical Manhood, I like when it says this right here on the bottom line, what does it mean to be a real man? And while we're talking about Mother's Day, men need to be involved for Mother's Day to happen. Men need to be involved for mothers to feel loved, cherished, respected, brought up, equally yoked, all that. Yeah, and it don't matter if you're with your 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 child's mother or not. The child still needs to see you honor and respect that woman. So it's it says, what does it mean to be a real man? It means not to trust in one's own judgment about masculinity, but instead to cling to the, to the facts that there are absolutes outlined in the Word of God. It means to understand the basic characteristics of mankind and recognize that there should be a difference between the genders. It means possessing saving faith in and a likeness to the person of Christ. It means striving to emulate the qualities that God outlines for godly men in the church. Finally, it means to capitalize on the specific qualities that men are needed to fulfill to fulfill our God-given roles. In short, it means to live out a biblical worldview of masculinity. Boys need to be taught the characteristics of biblical manhood by parents and other spiritual teachers. Furthermore, these are qualities that should be presented to the male population in all Bible-believing churches and institutions. Christian men need to take personal responsibility to study scriptural teaching in this area, communicating with other godly men about it and reading some of the resources that's out there and depending on God, and depending on God's grace to change. Though many of the masculine qualities discussed are related to the husband, scripture also presents them as pertaining to single men who were God's servants. Therefore, these truths are for each and every man, single or married, young or old. All men should fervently seek to pursue a true and life-changing understanding of the basic characteristics of, of man and Christ, to take heart specific biblical charges to men, and to look for opportunities to lead, love, protect, and provide. Then he will be a real man. Well, I'll tell you what. This just occurred to me. If there's no if, there's not a home in this world that's not being led by a man. But is it you? Because Satan's a man. He could be leading your family right on the highway to hell. And you sitting in the back navigating. Absolutely. So, you know, you have the opportunity to step up and lead your family in the right direction. Guys, if, if we're preaching to a captive audience, guaranteed there's somebody in your circle of people that you know that's not leading. They're just following. And they're following the enemy. They're not following their wives. Their wives are following the enemy. So you can either be responsible for being the, the chief priest in your own home, presenting the gospel to your family, bathing your family in godly and Christian love, or you can be responsible for sending all of them to hell with you. Well, you know, it, Rick brought it up Sunday, talking about going home and washing your wife's feet like Christ did for the disciples. Now, you know, your wife may have bunions, and you know, I don't want to go that far. But 
Oh, corny toes. Oh, cor- <laughs> the the point is, I don't think is to, is to wash your wife's feet every chance you get, but is also to serve your wife. You know, uh, Matt Chandler said it this said it best in one of his sermons. He said, you need to go in there. You need to serve. Ask where you can serve. It's not a competition. Don't put your servant, what you've done to what she's done, up against each other. Serve. Then check on the hearts of your children. Prepare the hearts of your children. Read the Bible with them. Pray with them. Lead them. Put them to bed. Then get into your bedroom and check on your wife's heart and prepare that. We have to serve without expectation and love without condition. And both of those are difficult. In today's difficult. world. Difficult. Oh, man. I'm talking about just as a red-blooded husband yeah. that longs for his wife. There are things that I do around the house that I hope gets me credit. Mm. I mean, let's just be real about it. And you, it's, it's hard to find a husband that doesn't want some kind of credit somewhere. Hoping that, hey, look, it'll get me off the hook if I do this. Maybe she'll ease up on me about that. Or, you know, if I, if, if I do this or that, you know, maybe I'll get some, some marital fruit here in a little while. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with, with wanting your wife or trying to do things to get her attention. But don't let that be your sole motivator. Yep. You know, when you talk about washing your wife's feet, I don't – I can count on my hand the times that I have physically washed my wife's feet. But, and I fail at this, I like to try on a regular basis to wash her entire body in Christ's love. That's difficult. That's hard to do. When you put that Ephesians 5 in your face and it says, men, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That is probably the single most difficult commandment that God ever put on a husband. Yep. Because you can't do it alone. It's well, impossible. We we want to scream Proverbs 31 woman, Proverbs Proverbs 31 woman. And I get that. It's great. But she cannot be a Proverbs 31 woman if she's not being helped and led and equally brought up with the leader and the man in the household. Because ultimately if the man in the household is not spiritually taking the lead, there's no way that Proverbs 31 woman's happening. Yeah, you got to give her something to follow. Absolutely. Because like I said, if she's not following you, she's following another man. She's following the enemy. And I mean, let you know, let's just be real. This day and age, you even see and hear women in the church with the I don't need no man, I'm an independent woman, you know, uh, I, I can do it on my own. You hear all that. You you hear beating on their chest. You know, we're the same. And you hear men that have demasculated themselves saying, oh, yeah, you know, just as, it is absolutely 100% true that men and women are created equally in God's sight. But it is also 100% true that we are remarkably different. Yeah. and created for phenomenally different purposes. Is that to say that a woman can't be a mechanic and a man can't be a cook or a florist? Absolutely not. That's worldly junk. But when we're talking about 
our worship, our submission, our submission to one another, and the way we lead our homes, you can't call yourself a Christian home if you're not walking in God's plan for the marriage and for the family. The church is not going to the the corporate church is not going to flourish if it's it's not going to flourish under Christ if it's not under Christ's family umbrella being led by men with strong support from the women. Yep. Because Eve was created from what? Adam's rib. Adam's rib, not his foot, not his knee, not a piece of his thigh, his rib. And your ribs are responsible for protecting your vital organs. Therefore, your wife is responsible for protecting you just as much as you're responsible for protecting her. Well, so as we close out, it's Mother's Day Sunday. Now, Mother's Day should be every day, but it's an opportunity. You know, Mother's Day, most churches are going to be doing a Mother's Day service. They always do. We'll do one. But, you know, it, it, it's nice. Show appreciation. Be grateful and thankful for the woman that God has placed in your life to be the mother of your kids. Be thankful and grateful for, the, for your mother. Um, and then go from there. <laughs> so, well, I'm going to approach it from a little bit different aspect because my mom's gone. Mm. My mom's gone to be with Jesus. Mother's Day is tough for me. It's tough. Because I'll, I'll be honest, I was a mama's boy. Love my mama. My mama loved me. Um, you know, together there was nothing we wouldn't do for each other. Because, you know, she was my mom. Without her, I wouldn't be here. So, my mom's been gone several years now. First couple of years were really, really, really hard and depressing. And then I was talking with a good buddy of mine, my, my one of my mentors from McCalla, Ron Golden. I call him Papa G. He uh, he knew that I was having a rough time. He called me, and you know I, I was I was I was weeping, I was sobbing, and he said, "Son, once you look around that church, you'll find you a mama in there that don't have her son no more." Y'all can minister to each other. Mm. You can help heal one another's wounds. Now, does that mean that my mom's replaced? No. Nothing will replace my mom. Does that mean that I've found a way to replace somebody's son? Absolutely not. But to feel a mother's hug is unlike anything else. And it's very unfortunate that you don't miss that hug until you can't get it anymore. When you can't feel your mom wrap you up in, in, in a selfless, just an I love you, I'm glad to see you hug, to me it, it's the closest thing that, we're, that we'd ever feel this side of glory when Jesus is going to hug us. So I challenge you, look around your church, look around your personal life, and there's a mom there that needs a hug from a son. That's all she needs is a hug. You know, they're, they're, the son or the daughter doesn't have to be dead. 
There could be relationship issues. There could be fellowship issues. There's someone in our in, in our church right now that has no fellowship with her daughters. And I love her to death. Love her, love her, love her. So Sunday, I'm going to treat her like my mama. I'm going to buy her some flowers, and I'm going to buy her a card, and I'm going to just tell her I love her. And I'm going to just remind her that she still has value even though there's something wrong with that relationship with her kids because women put so much emphasis in their value as a, as a person based on how their relationship is with their kids. And when you see a lady broken like that, sometimes all it takes is a hug and an I love you to remind them that they still have worth. They still have value. Remind them that God still loves them. And, you know, I'm going to bring this out. You may throat punch me afterwards, but I know Andy's had a rough day today. And I just want y'all to pray for him. That's all I'm going to say about that. I just, I know he's had a rough day. So lift him and your family up in your prayers. It's not my story to tell. But Andy, you know, man to man and friend to friend, I love you, dude. I've been praying for you all day. Well, so we've brought up what every woman needs. We so, But what every woman needs is not only a man that's spiritually leading, but every woman and every man need a relationship with Christ. You know, and when we sit there and we think about it and you wonder why the relationship between you two or or between your husband or your boyfriend, you know, why it is so chaotic and it's just, it's riddled with, with just dysfunction and dissension. You know, if, 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 if it's not Christ leading the relationship, Christ leading the relationship of the man, his relationship with the man and then the man's relationship with the woman, the woman's relationship with Christ, it, it's it's always going to be dysfunction if that's not equally yoked in Christ. So if it's something that you're missing and your relationship's missing, you need to fix it. You need to fix it now. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Be, don't, if the pulling is on your heart, don't, don't let it slide. It's not hard, you know. It's easy. It's it's believing God sent his son. He died on the cross for our sins, buried in a tomb, rose three days later. That's the easy belief. Believe with our heart, confess with our mouth. It's that easy. And once you do that, you're there. You'll, you'll want to grow in God in every way. And then when you want to grow in God, you want to grow in your marriage. You want to grow in your marriage, you want to grow in the fatherhood or your motherhood or whatever it is. Um, so for those that are the, for those that are out there on the fence, you know, we're we're about to close out in prayer and then we'll go through our we'll go through our logistics of um how we finish. But these are the things that we don't take this lightly. We we want to present the gospel, we want to present the the path to salvation every time. Doesn't matter if it's a fun episode or really deep episode. Um, this is something we feel strongly about and that we feel that is a necessity in 
our podcast. Because ultimately, we give God glory for having the opportunity to sit in front of this board with all these lights in this room that is, for some reason, getting extremely hot over the past, like, four minutes. Have you not gotten hot? Mm. Oh, I've been sweating over here. But Menopause. <laughs> it's about that year. So, But I'm going to pray us out, and then we'll kind of do logistically stuff, and then... um We'll finish out this episode. So um, let's go to prayer. God, thank you today. Thank you for just the blessings and opportunities that we get to glorify your kingdom. Uh, thank you for just the people you place in our lives, the things, the, 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 the opportunities, the situations, those people that you place in front of us that uh, challenge us to be bold, challenge us to step out and be better in our relationship and our faith. We pray that each and every person listening, um, that their their relationship with you is growing through your word, through prayer, through meditation. But we also we also pray that that those that may not be saved are taking the opportunity to uh, gather, harness and equip and, and and create this relationship with you. Um we pray for those men that are that are listening to this that they may take what we said tonight and it may not have made sense but they may have made sense to them we just pray that they would look towards you to lead them and help them be leaders in their marriage we pray for them for the women that are listening to this that they can look to their husband and they can maybe approach their husband or maybe they can help their husband with the next step towards the relationship with you and the gathering the leadership role of the household but God, we just thank you for everything that you do and you've done for us and everything that you're going to do. Um, we're thankful for the people we get to be around in our church. We're thankful for the people we get to hang out with and, you know, just uh, spend time with and fellowship with. But, you know, God, as we go into this Mother's Day, we, we're thankful for the mothers. We're thankful for the wives. We're thankful for the daughters that have made mothers, the sons that have made mothers. And God, I hope that we can pray. I hope and pray that we can make their day special and that we can just continue to um, develop and develop together and become equally yoked together um, in our families and in the family of God. Um, and it's in your name I pray. Amen. So, once again, um, Thrive Ministry, Thrive, Thrive, The Thrive Ministry, we are a men's-based ministry. We will speak to anybody Anybody. Anybody? Anytime. Okay. Anywhere. Oh, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Um, so we'll speak to anybody anywhere. Or, But what we do um, really is is men's-based, um, men's-based ministry where we want to help men's ministries and churches grow, um, whether if it's by creating them with the leadership of that church, um, helping them grow with the leadership of that church, and just helping them become equipped with curriculum, helping them become equipped with prayer, promotion, encouragement, and all that good stuff. So if you know of a church or are a part of a church that could use, you know, just some help in that field, um, let us know. We'd love to come speak to your men, come kind of encourage them, create a little bit of, you know, fire in them, um, you know, and just help out with leadership, pray, promote, all that good stuff. Uh, but if you want to reach out, you can definitely go to our website at www.thethriveministry.com or you can hit up Luke at it's Luke at thethriveministry.com or me 
That is Andy at TheThriveMinistry.com. Or go to Facebook, however you want to do it. It's all up to you. I'm on a temporary ban right now. So. <sighs> Tourette's. I mean, it is what it is. So, um, no, we are um, extremely just happy and excited and blessed that we get to go out and just kind of fellowship and hang out with some of these men at some of these other churches. Um, we really don't meet a stranger. That's what's weird is we're pretty. Well, we're strange ourselves, so. Peculiar. Don't call me strange. Peculiar. You I'm, something. I'm strange. Yeah, strange is one syllable. Give me more syllables. Ooh. Peculiarister. Peculiar. Um, There's too many L's. But, <laughs> but guys, as you finish the week, uh, just set tomorrow on growth. Set tomorrow on rekindling the relationship with Christ if you if you don't have one. And start it going. Get it going. Right? And don't forget. Sunday's Mother's Day. Sunday's Mother's can't Day. T- can't say nobody told you now. Absolutely. We have reminded you several times. So It's on you. Yeah, it's on absolutely. So, guys. I'm blaming it on Jeff Evans. Absolutely. Bye, Mitsubishi. Thrive on.